We're all about the University of South Florida, but we also want to keep you informed on the Bulls' conference opponents. That's why three times a week we go around the American. With today's show, here's Derek Sharp. It's been mostly a basketball, and of course we were wrapping up football with the Bulls-centric show here. We are going to start to, in a week from now, actually on Friday's show, have some tennis mixed in. We've got golf starting soon, and of course baseball and softball in February. Softball is a little more than a month away, so we'll have the preseason polls for the league. I'm pretty sure that UCF, the champion from last year, and of course making the Super Regionals for the first time in school history, will probably be the predicted winner. It will be interesting to see where the Bulls are picked without Georgina Corrick. Last year they were actually the third team behind UCF and Wichita State. Funny, I was, of course, as I always try and do, on campus at Wichita this weekend, and I did make it a point to jog on my run, my little routine run. It was cold, but nice, actually, on a Friday afternoon, late afternoon, and wanted to stroll by their softball stadium because they had so many home runs, and I just imagined it was going to be a wind tunnel. They actually have a backing to the backside of their stand so that the wind cannot blow the ball out, but it is a pretty comfy, cozy little setup there. Anyway, We'll keep an eye on that in the coming weeks. Of course, we still have plenty of basketball. We also have some coaching news, not just with football staffs getting added to, but also some other sports that we'll pass along to you before we wrap up this version of the conference show. But we will start with basketball, and we'll start on the men's side. Congratulations. They're back at the number one spot. When Houston was ranked number one early in the season, Calvin Sampson was very careful to say that this is not an ownership situation. This spot is just for rent. Many teams will be at number one before the end of the season. You want to be there at, well, the very end of the season. But Houston has slotted back up there now with the loss by Purdue last week. Houston knew it had that opportunity as long as it could win last night, nationally televised, and yeah, easy stuff. Jerace Walker, the outstanding freshman, scored 21 points. Houston in Cincinnati comes away with a 72-59 victory. The 6'8", 240-pound freshman with his second straight 20-plus point game. Also forward, Jawan Roberts, 14 points and 11 rebounds. Houston didn't get blown out of the building, but they never really challenged for a victory. They were down by 7 at the break, down 36-20, got it to within 10 with less than 6 minutes to go. But that was as close as it got. For example, Landers Nolly for Cincy hit four three-pointers, and then they locked down on him, and he didn't score any more points the rest of the way. Also last night, nice win for the second-best team in the league by computer ranking. They actually jumped up to 36 in the new net. That would be the UCF Knights after controlling against SMU throughout 85-53. to 53. UCF got a career night from Ithiel Horton. He hit 4 of 9 on 3-pointers, scoring 21 points. After that, according to the computers, the next best team is Memphis. And you talk about turning it on in the second half. They were down 33-25 at home. The Tigers were to East Carolina. Ended up winning it 69-59, fueled just slightly by a 22 to nothing run in the second half. And as 22 nothing runs went, this one was astonishing in its rapidity. It was 36-29 when Memphis scored on a jumper by Alex Lomax with 16 minutes and 22 seconds left. Four and a half minutes later, it was 51-36 Memphis. That was pretty quick. Obviously, some turnovers in there. Hey, remember when... Maybe some Bulls fans got upset by having a 10-point lead and losing it at Memphis and turning it over a lot. 
Didn't just happen against USF. They do that to other teams, too, including East Carolina, in this case, turning it over seven times just during that four-and-a-half-minute stretch and forcing East Carolina into, what do you know, a season high, 22 turnovers, getting 28 points off of those. DeAndre Williams finished with 19 points. Lomax, the fifth-year guard, seven steals in the game, along with seven points and six assists. In a game where, if you're wondering, Kendrick Davis... He's the guy that normally leads them in scoring. Was just okay. Was 6 of 20 from the floor, 0 of 6 on threes, and scored 14. Memphis wins 69-59. Because of their strength as schedule, Tulane's not in the top 100, but they are tied with UCF for second in the league right now at 3-1, and one, along with Temple. But they got the advantage over Temple. An impressive road victory for Tulane on Saturday. This was a wild one, and Tulane really did have to earn it as they improved to 10-5 and five overall. Uh, typically, what you would have predicted in this game, tight battle in the first half, Temple closed it on a 7-2 run, so it was 35-34 Green Wave. Then both Jaleel White and Temple coach Aaron Mackey got technicals, and Jalen Forbes, who was the best free throw shooter in the conference, goes four for four. And next thing you know, they get the six-point possession, and it's 56-48. And they're going to pull away, right? No. Temple answers with the 10-2 run as Damian Dunn hits a three, and it's tied at 58. Then Khalif Battle, who again came off the bench and led Temple with 21 points, hits a three, and Temple has the lead. What an answer from Tulane. They score the next 11, the Green Wave. Six from Colin Holloway to take a 69-61 lead, and they win it by the count of 83-75. Jalen Forbes was 10 of 10 at the line, scored 22 points as the Green Wave made 22 of 26. Kevin Cross gave them a double-double with 15 and 10. 22 of 26, while the hosts, the Owls, were 7 for 14. So not happy with the officiating as Temple drops its first in conference. Just mentioned Forbes. He was the AAC Player of the Week in two wins. Averaged 21 points, five rebounds, and three assists. Walker from Houston was the Freshman of the Week, certainly a Player of the Week candidate. Your five-man honor roll included a man who scored a career-high 30 points in UCF's other win at East Carolina, C.J. Kelly. Cincinnati's Victor Lockin averaged 15 points, seven and a half rebounds. They won at Wichita State, as we recall. Outstanding guard for Houston Marcus Sasser averaged 15 points, four and a half assists, four steals, three and a half rebounds. Yeah, he's pretty good. DeAndre Williams of Memphis, along with Bryant Celebonge of Tulsa, had a double double with 22 points and 13 rebounds. Shot 11 of 13 in the Golden Hurricanes' only game of the week last week at Tulane. Only other winless team alongside of the Bulls in conference is Tulsa. It hosts Temple tomorrow, and then we'll talk about that on Wednesday's program. Now on to women's basketball, where, of course, your USF Bulls are the highest-ranked team, according to the computers, but according to the voters, it's probably going to be a tough go for the Bulls. I think if they you know, start off 10-0 in conference, we'll get there into the top 25, but today they actually dropped a vote in the AP poll, and these are people that pay attention have them in the 30th spot. Here's the problem. Now that we're in conference play, the power conferences every week, there's going to be at least one team, maybe two, like this past week, that pick up one or two big wins and jump the Bulls. Even if not into the top 25, then into the receiving votes category, and eventually if they keep going above them. Well, this week's example was actually Florida State and Miami. I guess we can't complain with Miami because... The Hurricanes handled the Bulls in the last NCAA tournament, and 
They just got wins against North Carolina and Virginia Tech. Those are two big wins. Florida State, I was curious to see State ahead of the Bulls, even though they lost at home in overtime to Boston College. Florida State, though, is 17th still in the net, so kind of hard to complain there. Miami shot up to 45 this weekend. Then you look, teams like in the SEC, Ole Miss, which is 15-2, and two, I'm actually shocked, didn't get any at all AP votes there. 31st, that's ahead of the Bulls, according to the computers. So I think it's just going to be that situation the rest of the year. And the Bulls' chances of getting into the top 25 are there if they keep on winning. It seems to be unfair to have to win out in conference play. Maybe they can afford a slip-up or two. But as far as what really matters, and that is where the NCAA Tournament Committee ends up having them. And we won't know about that until March. And hopefully it'll be a situation where the Bulls are not in that seven or eight spot if they're in the eight or nine game. Of course, they're playing a one seed in the second round. If they make it, they get the seventh spot. Maybe they go someplace like LSU or UConn. So you'll want to keep on winning to get a better seed. As far as the computer rankings in the American, USF, best ranking, 34th. That's pretty solid. Then it drops on down to Memphis at 71. Five teams in the top 100. Everybody in the American is in the top 150, and I know that didn't sound sensational, but when you compare it to other mid-major conferences, it's actually really good. The Atlantic 10 is a good example. They were similar to the American last year. 15 teams in the conference. They have five in the top 100. The best is at 67 with UMass, and I just told you where everybody in the American is in the top 150. There are seven teams from the A-10 not in the top 150. Big East is the most comparable, which got four teams in the field last year and definitely is the sixth best conference ahead of the American. UConn, Villanova, Creighton all look very strong. And then you got three teams in the 40s, Marquette, Seton Hall, and St. John's. And then other leagues that you'd think might be a little bit better, more respectable, just aren't. The Colonial only has one team in the top 100. It's at 94. A few have a few teams just in the top 100, and there are only four non-Power 6, I'll include the Big East, conferences with a team, and it's just one in the top 50. The highest-ranked team of those is Middle Tennessee State, top 25, and the voters have them, by the way, ahead of the Bulls as well. Then USF is at 34 you got Columbia at 36, and then Drake out of the Missouri Valley at 48. Stephen F. Austin was low 40s until getting beat by Grand Canyon. I was watching that game on Saturday. We were on the bus getting ready to leave Wichita. Knew that was the best two teams in the league, but there was a significant drop-off from one to two. I'm telling you, that could be a Cinderella team right there. Grand Canyon's coach, Molly Miller, started off at a D2 school, and they, like, never lost. She is now 50-21 and 21 in three years at Grand Canyon, but her overall record is 230-38. and 38. She's like an 85% coach. And now they beat Stephen F. Austin. Maybe they run the table. Anyway, back to the American. The point is that outside of certain teams like the Bulls, and a couple I just gave an example of, Middle Tennessee State, Columbia, losing in their conference tournament, it just doesn't seem like more than six conferences are going to get two teams in. And, of course, for the Bulls, you take solace in the fact knowing that you don't have to win the conference tournament, but also realize that if the league is going to be like that and the Conference USA teams that are frankly coming in, we just mentioned Middle Tennessee and the Conference USA, Rice is at 85. That's the next best team. No one else in the top 125, and the five others that are coming to the American occupy five of the six bottom spots point is Bulls going to have to keep doing well out of league and then get into league and continue to win like they have been but that's the future now the current and Tulsa is 3-0 in the conference and I'll let you know when a team's overall record might be you know lack of strength of schedule 
inflated, such as I have in the past with various sports. I don't care what Tulsa's schedule is. This is a good team and very entertaining and very dangerous shooting the ball. Last time out, they had been down throughout against Wichita State. They were down six midway through the fourth quarter at home. They made five threes in the fourth quarter. That's how they won. They lead the nation in threes attempted per game, more than 30, and they are right behind FGCU nationally as far as makes per game, about 10 and a half. They were down throughout against UCF, 14 to 5 early. They were turning it over a ton, but it was close at halftime. You know, they were down by six in the third quarter, and boom, Maddie Biddle makes back-to-back threes. Then they got it up to a 75-66 lead only for UCF to go on a 7-0 run. So here's the situation, 75-73. Tulsa calls timeout with 43 seconds left. They advance the ball. What do you think a team does in the situation, right? Hold it, hold it, hold it, maybe get off a bad shot at the end of the 30-second clock? Nope. Right over to Maya Mayberry, their leading score, for an immediate no-hesitation three, and she drills it. That basically put away UCF, put Tulsa to 3-0 in the conference, 13-3 overall, and dropped the Knights to 0-3 in the league. We'll talk more about Memphis on Wednesday's Bulls beat because that's the team the Bulls host on Wednesday night, but what an impressive showing the Tigers had at home. Friday, 80-51. to They were 0-2 in conference, but you couldn't tell. The other game on Saturday outside of Tulsa beating UCF and ours in Wichita, Temple. Boy, Jaysha Clinton have a career day, 28 points. Remember, she was the guard who has a freshman average in double figures and then saw her average go to six last year. Kind of been up and down this year. She was up in this one, also dished out six assists. And Leah Nelson, who we saw her act, she can shoot three. She added... 20 on four of six from three-point land. And then on Sunday, man, oh man, rough start for Tulane. Losing to the Bulls, you can forgive. Then they got beat at Houston, and then yesterday went to Greenville. It was a tie game going into the fourth. East Carolina holds Tulane to six in the fourth quarter. 63-53, the Pirates at 11-5, their best start in nine years. Marta Golich, Tulane's big three-point shooter, and East Carolina's Danae McNeil, both had 18 points in the first half. The difference is Golich was 0 for 8 in the second half as the Pirates locked her down, and McNeil ended up with a career-high 26. She was 6 for 10 on threes, so the Pirates 2-1 and one in the league. And they didn't do it with turnovers. They are, get this, I told you about Tulsa atop that three-point chart nationally. The Pirates are second in the country in forcing turnovers around 26. Tulane only turned it over 16 times, so they did okay, but... Not enough to stop the Pirates. McNeil was the player of the week in the conference. She had 20 against Memphis and then again 26 against Tulane. And freshman honors go to Amaya Joyner. Their forward got her third straight freshman of the week. 11 points and 11 boards against Memphis. 12 and 12 against Tulane. Five straight double-doubles. First for a Pirate since the 1979-80 season. One bull gets on the honor roll. We'll go ahead and tell you Sammy Puisis averaged 21.5 points including tying her career high on Saturday against Wichita State. Said that uh, come Friday we will have some tennis to tell you about. That's because the first match of the season is, well, on Thursday as the SMU men will be taking on Prairie View. Remember last year the conference got four teams in to the NCAA tournament. It is a loaded situation. The men of USF will begin their season on Friday also in Boca Raton. So that sport, especially men's tennis, was good last year and it will begin this week. Also said there was some coaching news around the conference. 
Temple, Stan Drayton announced that Sam Dorsett is their new running backs coach. The last 10 seasons was at Monmouth, but you probably best remember him for being Robert Morris's all-time leading rusher. The new head coach for Cincinnati has his new offensive coordinator. His former Louisville leader Scott Satterfield announced today that Tom Manning will be the offensive coordinator and tight ends coach. He comes from Iowa State, where he was the offensive coordinator for a couple of stints, including the last four years. It's a big pickup right there. They also announced some additions to their recruiting staffs as well. If you want all those, you can head to GoBearCats.com. And also at Memphis, Ryan Silverfield announces the hiring on Sunday of Jeff Myers to be his offensive line coach. Myers came from Iowa State, (laughs) the last five, as their offensive line coach. So the Cyclones dispersing into the American One women's soccer staff edition after Having a struggle in his first year as a head coach, Houston Jaime Frias has added a goalkeeper coach, Jalen Cunningham. She comes from Toledo. And that'll wrap up Around the American here on Monday, January the 9th. I'm Derek Sharp.